Iowa Floor Covering, a locally owned flooring store in Bondurant, Iowa that specializes in do-it-yourself projects. If you're a contractor or a DIYer, Iowa Floor Covering has your back. Right now at Iowa Floor Covering, get tough core click together 4.5 millimeter waterproof vinyl flooring for $269 per foot when you install it yourself. That's a much better value than you'll find at any of the big box stores. Looking for other types of flooring? They can help with that too. Between their exceptional product knowledge and commitment to customer service, the guys at Iowa Floor Covering will provide everything you need to complete your DIY flooring project. So what are you waiting for? Skip the box stores now and visit iowafloorcovering.com slash DIY. That's iowafloorcovering.com slash DIY. Promotional pricing only available with self-installation. Things just got tougher, folks. First of all, we want to extend our thanks to Iowa Floor Covering for sponsoring this segment of the show here at From the Hawkeye of the Storm. This is, of course, Hawkeye Hangout and a special edition, even though I'm still slightly under the weather, so bear with me in my my nasal voice today. Early summer cold, trying to fight that off, so again, bear with me on that. But a big day as we get uh, schedule announcements for the 2024 and 2025 football season seasons i should say and we're going to talk about it over the next hour or so i appreciate everybody being here we got about 80 people on the line so far i know a lot of people are getting off work i know this is not the most opportune time for a lot of people because a lot of people are driving home but appreciate you if you are here and if you are driving home and you have the stream on please be safe don't be looking at the stream if you have it in your audio your aux whatever thank you for doing that uh, but please be safe Please take a second, folks, to share this stream out on social media. Hit that like button below. That does help the show in the algorithm. And, of course, there's other ways to support the show. The number one way is to support our sponsors. But as I talk about each and every time, there's donation options by clicking on the description. Um, you can also support our sponsor, Aura, by signing up for a free trial of Aura. Totally free. And your free trial does support the work being done here at From the Hawkeye of the Storm. So. Flex Protect Plus. <laughs> That's the theme we're going to go with for uh, for our show this afternoon. And uh, a lot of this had been reported, right? Nothing ever gets, uh, it seems like nothing ever gets reported from the source anymore. You always hear uh, reports from various people, whether we're talking national media people, local media people, etc. And so this information has been in the hopper for quite some time. And it was basically all of it was leaked right before the Big Ten Network went live for their Big Ten live show, which featured uh, Big Ten AD or Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, uh, Gene Smith, the OSUAD, and then Kevin Carey, who is the COO for the Big Ten. Um, so what we're going to do here first is let's just dive right into it. I've got uh, copies of, if you haven't seen the actual schedules yet, let's go ahead and throw those up for everybody who hasn't seen them. Let's start with 2024. I know it's going to look a bit messy um, because of how the Big Ten or the Big Ten Network uh, displayed this, but it is the most succinct way to display the balance across the conference. So here it is. As you can see, we start with, uh, I'm talking Iowa now, you see third or third column from the left. The games in white are the away games for the Hawks. The games in uh, the gray mark the home games for 2024. So you can easily see here, 
2024 is a year in which Iowa will play five games in the conference away from Kinnick. And of course, if you followed Iowa football for quite some time, and if you followed my work with Mark Rogers, the voice of college football, he is uh, for years called uh, Iowa's schedule the most predictable and most boring schedule in the country. And even though I'm I'm an Iowa guy, everybody knows that, uh, you have to agree with Mark because of this simple fact. You get Iowa State every single year. And as long as that rivalry is protected in the non-conference, it's going to be pretty darn predictable. So whenever Iowa plays five conference games on the road, they will get Iowa State at home and vice versa. So in this case, Iowa will get Iowa State back in Kinnick in 2024. They will travel to Illinois, Minnesota, Ohio State, Rutgers, USC. They'll get the Terrapins of Maryland at home. They'll get Nebraska back at home. They will get UCLA back at home. And they'll get Wisconsin at home. So not a a ton of surprise there. Keep in mind uh, that Iowa will get Wisconsin this year on the road. They'll get Nebraska this year on the road. Uh, USC and UCLA both joining the conference. So a couple of tidbits here. If you haven't put two and two together, yes, Iowa will be traveling to the Coliseum to take on the Trojans in year one of that experiment. And yes, they will have to go back to the shoe to take on Ohio State. And yes, they'll have to welcome a Chip Kelly-led Bruins squad into Kinnick. Now, these are not in any uh, chronological order. We don't yet have dates for any of these games. Um, I mean, we could certainly start to guess on some of these. The future of the Iowa, and we know Iowa-Nebraska has traditionally been played on Black Friday. Of course, things are changing, so we'll see if that holds holds steady. Um, If you missed the uh, initial announcement, I think this was kind of the first thing that broke this afternoon, I believe. Um, If I'm getting this source incorrect, I apologize. Um, I believe it was either Pete Thamel or... uh, who was it? I want to get this right, folks. This was Adam Rittenberg, I believe, that uh, reported it initially, I think. Forgive me if I'm wrong here. But Iowa does have, they are the only team in the conference with three protected rivalries. And this is really the biggest takeaway from today's announcement, because you look across the conference and you've got Illinois with two, you've got Indiana with one, you've got uh, Maryland with one. Nebraska with one, Minnesota with two, Mich- uh, Maryland, excuse me, Mich- what am I looking at? Michigan with two, excuse me, Penn State with none. These are what you're looking at right now on the screen are the two play opponents. So in other words, the way this will work over the next two years, at least 24 and 25, is every team in the conference will have three teams it plays each year. All right. Now, the reason why Iowa has what we call three protected rivalries is that it is anticipated that Minnesota, Nebraska, and Wisconsin will continue to be on the schedule and be Iowa's two-play opponents for years to come. So as a simple example, you look down at Penn State there, two spots below Iowa. They get Michigan State, Rutgers, and USC in 24 and in 25. They could get Purdue, Nebraska, and Illinois in 26 and 27. Does that make sense? So Iowa has those three rivalries protected, And there are a few other protections across the board, but none to the extent of Iowa. Iowa was able to hold on to Minnesota, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and of course has nothing to do with the Big Ten. But in the non-conference, Iowa has pretty much made it clear, although we'll see what happens with the departure of Gary Barta in August, but they've made it pretty clear they're interested in keeping the Cyhawks series alive. I know a lot of fans 
want that series to go away. But these are the two play opponents. Now, I did see some talk on Twitter when this news initially broke this afternoon. Well, it's going to make things uneven. I, I don't really uh, know how it's going to make things uneven. Um, if I was three, two play opponents were uh, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. Yeah, it'd be uneven. <laughs> Probably, right? But there's a lot of flexibility, and this is why Mark Rogers has been a big advocate for this scheduling format. There's a lot of flexibility that you have now with regardless of how many built-in rivalries you have, now the Big Ten from year to year can kind of pick and choose based on uh, based on a lot of different things. Scheduling criteria, uh, based on competi- competitiveness within the conference and different schools. This is going to be fascinating to see how the, the Big Ten seeks to balance things out. But there are no divisions, to make that very clear. I know we said that at the outset. No divisions. The Hawks will get three built-in rivalries each year. Four, if you count Iowa State in the non-conference. We'll see what the future is in the Seahawk series. The top two teams from the Big Ten will go to the title game. So let's throw back to like 2010. Well, 2011, I think 2012 was the inception of the divisions. So no more... East and West, no more legends and leaders. I guess that got we got rid of that years ago, thankfully. But no divisions for the time being, as we've got 16 teams in the conference next year with the additions of USC and UCLA. We don't yet know about tiebreakers yet. That is yet to be determined. But again, one more look at the 2024 schedule. Iowa on the road, at Illinois, at Minnesota, at Ohio State, at Rutgers, at USC, down in L.A., and then at home against Maryland, Nebraska, UCLA, Wisconsin. Tough, tough schedule, folks. And that's why we themed this show. Things just got a lot harder for Iowa football because they did. We've known, we knew this was coming, right? We didn't know exactly what it was going to look like, but we knew it was coming. And I thought it was sort of funny when Nicole Auerbach was brought on to Big Ten Network there at the end of their Big Ten Live show this afternoon. And she was asked, who are the biggest winners from today, Nicole? And her response was, well, I think Iowa was the biggest winner. How is Iowa the biggest winner? Like they were able to keep three rivalry games. Good for them. But if we're talking about ability to win the division, win the conference, there's no way any of this helps Iowa. It helps Ohio State. It helps Michigan. Uh, you know, USC and UCLA are into the conference. But certainly those teams, US, uh, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, those teams have been at a severe disadvantage because of how strong and top-heavy the East Division has been for years. And this is going to make it that much harder for Iowa to get to that title game, to win a Big Ten title, and certainly to make a college football playoff. You look at a normal schedule. I mean, look at last year's schedule for the Hawks. You got Ohio State, you got Wisconsin, you got Michigan. And we were all talking about how tough that schedule was because you got two powers in addition to Wisconsin, who we could kind of call a power each and every year, although last year they were somewhat down with the coaching change. But that's going to be the norm moving forward. I mean, you've got, as you see there, Ohio State is on the schedule in 24, UCLA is on the schedule, USC's on the schedule, in addition to Wisconsin and Minnesota and those teams. So you're you're gonna get three powers at least every year, basically. Um, and I, when I say power, yes, I'm going to put UCLA in that boat when they're winning nine games a season, I'm going to put them in that boat along with USC and yes, Ohio state, Penn state, Michigan. We'll see about Michigan state. Look at, let's look at 25 before we start this conversation. And by the way, the phone line is open. If you want to call the number is 515-635-1601, 515-635-1601. Let's look at 2025 before we talk about this at length. 
Iowa on the road four times within the conference in 2025. They'll get Indiana in Bloomington. They'll go to Lincoln to play Nebraska. They'll play Purdue and Wisconsin both on the road. And that's not a not too bad of a road schedule, although it's always difficult to win in Madison. But how about this home schedule? Michigan at home. Michigan State at home. Penn State at home. Along with a protected rivalry game in Minnesota and a game against Patty Fitz and the Wildcats of Northwestern. Tough, tough schedule. As I said, you're going to get three or four power opponents every single year within the conference. That's just the reality of this. So in this case, who are the power opponents in the schedule? I'd say Penn State, Michigan, and uh, Wisconsin, right? And who knows what Michigan State's going to look like in two years. They've had a weird roller coaster ride over recent time. So there's a look at your 2025 conference opponents. We can look at this here later in the show. But that is the schedule. That is the format for the Big Ten moving forward. And it's going to make things a lot tougher for teams like Iowa, and it's going to make things a lot more competitive across the conference. And, of course, the conference is also looking at how can we best position our best players for the college football playoff and the expanded college football playoff. And that was even mentioned in the release from the Big Ten today. And I can actually read part of this before we get to our first caller who's been on hold now for a while. Um, Let me just read you a a segment of that release from the Big Ten today. Um, In fact, it's it's pretty short. I'll read the whole thing here. So this is from the Big Ten Conference. Big Ten Conference today announced opponents for the 24 and 25 football seasons with the addition of UCLA and USC joining the conference. 2024 will be the first season with 16 teams and no divisions. The 2024 Big Ten football season will also debut the Flex Protect Plus model or format, which features a combination of protected opponents and rotating opponents for universities. Each member institution will continue to play nine interconference games per season, which is another thing we didn't really talk about, but that is noteworthy. The SEC doubling down on their stance and playing eight conference games per year, the Big Ten doubling down on playing nine. Remember, there was talk about the Big Ten maybe going back to eight. Why they decided to go with nine, uh, I, I guess we'd have to. I, I don't even know if that was even questioned to uh, the commissioner today, but that's a good, that's a good question. Uh, conference schedules will include 11 protected matchups that will continue to be played annually and feature a combination of historic and geographic rivalries as well as trophy games. Of course, Iowa has three conference trophy games These matchups were finalized in conjunction with all 16 member institutions to ensure the traditions of the Big Ten Conference remain strong as the conference evolves. And one other side note, I didn't want to mean to pass over this on the release, but teams will play every other conference opponent at least twice, home, once home and once away in a four-year period. The guaranteed annual protected matchups are Illinois Northwestern, Illinois Purdue, Indiana Purdue, Iowa Minnesota, Iowa Nebraska, Iowa Wisconsin, Maryland Rutgers, Michigan Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and UCLA, USC. The other two play opponents for each member institution will change every two years. 2024 season will conclude with the annual Big Ten football championship game, which will feature the top two teams overall in the conference standings and tiebreaking procedures will be announced later. Now, uh, this is what the Big Ten is attributing the decisions made today to. Uh, They looked at criteria including maintaining control and flexibility as the college football postseason format evolves with the goal to create access for programs into an expanded college football playoff, 
balance of annual travel by distance, regions of the conference, and time zones, balance of historic competitiveness and recent competitive trends, including home away balance of traditionally competitive schools, and balance and maximization of television inventory each season. So there's one common theme from all of that. It's balance. And we have seen a lack of balance since the inception of divisions back in 2012, especially really since we went to East and West, because uh, once Ohio State and Michigan were put in the same division, it's just never been balanced. I think the West itself has been balanced, but the conference as a whole has been very unbalanced. Let's get to our first caller of the day. James has been waiting on hold. James, welcome to the show, sir. How are you doing? Doing good, man. How are you? Uh, not so good to the news because to me, it seems like it seems like this. Uh, first off, I'm gonna start with this. Remember the year Northwestern made the Big Ten championship game? Yes, they got smacked. Remember that? Yeah, you yeah. never see you never see that again. Remember the time Indiana made it? Oh, they won't, but they ever, won't ever make it again. It's going to be the same five teams, and without it being divisions. You act surprised. Did you not know this was coming? Did no, you not? You know? do. You, you do. But I know it's coming, but like, I was just hope. I, I knew it was coming, but I just had that little bit of hope that I was wishing it wasn't because I feel like that gives Iowa and teams like Northwestern and teams like the bottom team. Not going to say I was a bottom team but compared to like Ohio State, Michigan. You know what I'm saying? Like USC, like that. We're not going to compete with those guys. So we're not going to be able to ever make a Big Ten championship game. So how are we ever going to win a college football championship? One thing I said to Mark Rogers yesterday in our show is if you had to put a gun to my head, I would say it's fair to expect Michigan and Ohio State to both be in the Big Ten championship game three of the next five years. I might drop that down. That may be a bit disrespectful to USC, Wisconsin. USC. Could be there. May Wisconsin, maybe, maybe. They have probably the best USC team. has USC is built right. Luke Fickle or Fickle's got some work to do at Wisconsin. We yeah. just don't know what the program's going to look like. I expect him to get it done, but I mean, Lincoln Riley has uh, he has established that program as a national power. So I, I think that's a little unfair. So maybe you could say two of the five years, but that only leaves how many spots? Six spots over the course of. A five-year even period. Though six, even though six, you know, it's probably going to be one of those two at least, and then maybe a USC or Wisconsin. Yeah. So, like, for me, it's like, for me, it's like they talked about the college football playoff, right, and wanting to to represent the college football playoff. You think, and I know it's not happening, but I'm just going to say, you think it would be, you'd have more chances that team. So, like, let's say Michigan and Ohio State both have one loss, right? But yes, they're not playing there, right? But you get Iowa or Wisconsin to play them in a Big Ten championship game, right, if you have divisions or whatever, right? Then you, if, I, if Wisconsin somehow wins, you still would get three teams in instead of two. You know, so you have a chance of getting more teams in the Big Ten. I feel like you have more teams to get in the college football playoffs if you did divisions than if you didn't do divisions. Say that again. What? What? Okay. 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 So let's say you're doing the college football playoffs. There's 12 teams, right? Uh-huh. So let's say Ohio State, Michigan, end up at one loss, right? Or Ohio State goes undefeated, and somehow they lose to like a team in the Big Ten championship game. That team's going to be in, right? Ohio State would be in with one loss, and Michigan would be in with one loss. You'd have three teams in the college football playoff. If you do it the way you, they're going to do it, you probably only ever get two teams in. Well, two things: the 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 college football playoff is expanding, right? We we know that's happening. The the, the playoff is expanding. Um, that's the first thing. Second thing, and it's expanding what to twelve teams. So the Big Ten is going to consistently get a minimum of two teams in the college football playoff every year. I think that's fair to say. It's fair to expect. I, I don't necessarily agree with that notion that we, we've seen years. I mean, Ohio, a couple of years ago, Ohio State missed out on the playoff 
um, because they failed to make the Big Ten championship game. Why? Because they were in the same division as Michigan. And yes, I know both teams made it last year. I, I don't agree with that, James, because I, I think uh, I think you're going to see more of a reward for a team making the championship game, even if they lose to say Michigan loses to Ohio State twice in two weeks. If that's the only if they only if they lose one, to one opponent all year, my guess is more often than not, not knowing what ha- what's happened across the landscape of, of the sport, my guess is they'll make the playoff regardless. So, I I see where you're what you're saying to an extent, but I I I don't agree with it. I don't know, but it's I mean this year is at least a chance for us. I feel like to have our best chance at making a title game, and who knows how often it'll be after that. It's just you know it's coming, but like, it just gets frustrating after a while because you, as I was saying, you want you know, obviously you know you want them to succeed to the best of their abilities. You know you want to see them play for a Big Ten championship game, and it's going to be tough knowing the chances of that are probably definitely not as high. What was your thoughts on everything today? Like I I see people in the chat they're talking about us not playing Iowa State. For me, here's how it is. All right. I feel like if you're from Iowa, you should want to play Iowa State. I understand people say it's not a win or a loss, right? But that's the other Iowa school, right? They got other Iowa kids. They got kids that some of these guys went to high school with that are playing on that team. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like some of these kids went to high school with other kids, right? Like Xavier Nwankpa, his quarterback that he had in high school was going to go to Iowa State next year. Like they get the chance to play against each other. Like to me, that should mean something in a way where it's like some of these kids that are Iowa kids get to play against the other Iowa kids or the kids that they've known their whole life on the other side. And it means more to them in that retrospect. Do you understand what I'm saying in that point? I, I understand. Let, let me ask you this. And this is a question I want to pose to everybody listening to this show. This is one thing that I thought was worth talking about. Iowa, the only team in the, in the conference with three protected rivalry games moving forward. All right. And we know that I, at least traditionally, Iowa has expressed powers that be or the powers that were with Gary Barta at the helm that they want to keep the Cyhawk series in place. So my question is to all the fans listening, do you like that? Is there a team that you would rather see taken off the schedule? Is there a Big Ten team that you would? be okay getting rid of as far as a, a built-in rivalry would you do you want to throw away the tradition of the floyd or rosedale do you want to throw away the 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 sometimes contentious nebraska series or is it maybe people, iowa wisconsin a lot of people in the chat said nebraska what's that a lot of people in the chat earlier were saying nebraska and i don't know if i agree with that and the fact that like i understand yes it's a newer rivalry but to me it became a rivalry once i said we can't beat them and then I didn't think it was rivalry either. I thought we just played them, and then their AD said, oh, it's not rivalry until they beat us, and then we beat them for so long, and then they just beat us, I feel like. Well, personally, here's what I'll say. I, I, if I if you're asking me, I'm to the point, and I know people probably aren't going to agree with this, I'm kind of the point where I'd be okay with the Cyhawk series going away, and I'm kind of okay with the idea of Iowa-Wisconsin going away. Not that I don't want to ever play Wisconsin, but do, does that need to be a built-in rivalry every year? I don't know. Now, the nice thing about it, again, with the flex model, is that it should not hurt Iowa. If anything, it might hurt Iowa because you know, you know three, you know three programs inside and out every year, whereas other teams in this conference don't, right? They get the same team for two straight years, but then that changes on a rotation every few years. So I, I don't know. That might be reading too far into all this, but uh I'm just curious. I, I, I used to feel a certain way about the Cyhawk series, and I hated the idea of it going away, but I'm not nearly as been out of shape about that happening now, now that I know well, that the well, series are protecting the conference is expanded. 
well, you know our you know our schedule history, right? So who we would take for places I would say Western Michigan, Central Michigan. You know, I'd rather play Iowa State than play Western Michigan, Central Michigan. Like, but but James, if they get rid of Iowa State, way. if they get rid of Iowa State, they're not scheduling Western Michigan. That's their scheduling history, though. They schedule Iowa State and then two crappy teams. Right, because they've got Iowa State on the schedule. They're going to play two cupcakes. They're going to play two bye games. That's that's just what's going to happen. That's the same thing. When we went to from eight games, eight division, or eight conference games, nine, you lost that second Power Five team. Remember back in 2015, Iowa played Pitt. Yeah, and that was a power. It was a Power Five team that Iowa played. I was I was actually there that day. As long as you're playing nine conference games, so now that we have nine conference games basically locked in place at least for the next two years and probably beyond. That's why I'm revisiting the whole idea of maybe Iowa State's worth taking off the schedule. If the Big Ten had announced today, hey, we're going to eight games. We're going to an eight-game schedule. We're going back to that. We want to be even with the SEC, which, again, I, somebody tell me why that's they, why nine so games. They can play, so, they really can play, so they can play every team in two-year span. That's what they. That's what the lady said. They want to play every team in a two-year span. If you do eight, you, you can't play every team in a two-year span. You have to. You would miss one, so you wouldn't be able to play every team in two years span. Because you have to think they would be eight, so it only be you wouldn't be able to play every team in a two year span. We've got. <laughs> That's you're, what you're she's thinking of, Hey, you're you're on a different wavelength. Uh, I'm just trying to get my electrolytes back up. So that's what no, no, that's, that's what the lady said though. That the reason the one. Like the lady later on, when she was like saying it was like an advantage for them, the reason they did it like that way is so they can play every team in a two-year span home in a way like that, or in a four-year span like that. I'm just saying the Big Ten Network, excuse me, the Big Ten Conference, their their big thing is what two things: money, a, and relevance yeah. in the college football playoff. I, I think that those two things take priority over what well, we want to make sure every team gets to play everybody else in a two-year span. That's all I'm saying. Well, I, I know, but I feel like it's, it's easier for them in the fact that maybe it's more fair. And obviously, nine games, you know, they make more money. And, you know, you just said that's what they're about, money. They'll probably make more money off a conference game than they would off non-conference games. So if you have one more, you make more money that way. Listen, well, actually, I don't think that's the case because you have the Big Ten. The, the, the Big Ten contract. They probably make the same either way. Yeah, they make the same either way because it's a Big Ten game probably. So Exactly. Uh, yeah. So the only thing I'll say, and I'll let you go, James, but going back to what you said about if Iowa got rid of Iowa State, we'd have to play a Western Michigan. If Iowa got rid of Iowa State, they'd have an opportunity to schedule an LSU or an Oregon or a Stanford. Yeah, but what do you think is going to happen in that game, though? They would do that. They would do that. I'm not saying they would do that. Yeah. <laughs> Telling okay. you, yeah. I'm saying, I'm saying, I hope they would do that. But what would happen if they schedule a team like that and then they get another, you're just adding another, like, if I would say it's a loss, it's a bad loss too. But like, if you play like an LSU, they're more higher chance you're going to lose than the Iowa State. When if you stay 3 and 0 and then maybe you get a chance to get in the college football play. I'd rather get in college football play. If I feel like losing to LSU, you have a chance to lose two more down the road, you won't be in the college football play. If you be in Iowa State, you have a more likely chance to beat Iowa State than you do at LSU. You have okay. to admit that, though. What you're telling me, James, is you'd prefer a 2015-esque schedule where you play almost nobody with a pulse. You go 12-0, and but because you lose in the final two minutes of a game against Michigan State, you still miss out on the playoff. That's what you want? I mean, we won't get in if we lose. The only way I was going to get in is they're going to have to – I don't think they're going to make that much of an impact because, unfortunately for us, I feel like our – 
our impact just isn't that high. But if we play somebody else and beat them, that's cool. If we play somebody else and lose, that's cool. I just would like to keep the Iowa State because I'm a guy from Iowa, so I would like to keep it. I understand. Going. Yeah. But if they don't, that's them, and I'll root for whoever they play. That's all I can do anyway. So yep. it's not a big deal. I just would say I like to keep the rivalry going because I'm a guy from the state, and I'd like to see us play at least us school from the state of Iowa because I feel like – Let me just something. clarify one thing. If this is not me hating on that rivalry in that series – yeah, I'm saying what I would have preferred, even though you're expanding to 16 teams, what I would have preferred is for the conference to say, "Hey, let's play eight conference games, regardless of how that what that means about you can still balance the schedules, even if you're not playing every team every two years. Let's balance the schedules. Let's play eight conference games. That way, there's no excuses. The SEC said we're going to stick with eight. Okay, we're not we're not uh, playing Simon Says here, but we are going to play eight games because it doesn't do us any good scheduling a ninth conference game and have the conference beat up on itself. Give your your institutions an opportunity to schedule two, at a minimum two, power five non-conference games. If that was the case, I'm fine with keeping Iowa State. And then I would encourage Iowa to go after a Notre Dame or an LSU or a Clemson. That's what I would do. I'm not looking at it and say, well, see, if we start looking at it from a perspective of, well, we want to schedule wins, then we can schedule based on 2015 criteria or you know the Colin Cowherd criticism criteria we can do that but like I say you you have no margin for error in that in that uh, spot um and yes it's going to be a lot more difficult to win the conference that's a, that's absolutely it's going to be a lot more difficult that's why they got to take advantage of it this year for sure but anyways this is good talking to you I know we kind of disagreed more than we usually do but that's part of it that's a fun thing and sometimes you know and going back and forth is always fun to see what people are thinking obviously I knew it was coming and it's gonna be interesting to see how it pans out and hopefully we get UCLA in December so or November so they have to come in the cold weather and something they're not used to at least and maybe we can get out there what do you think about going to USC you think it's gonna be fun going out to LA for I mean not not uh, not you but like us in general, like, do you think it's going to be weird watching us play in LA for a couple of years? Or? Sure. Yeah, it's going to be weird. But I mean, I, I, all of this, I was hesitant at first with, but I've embraced it all. I'm okay. Like I, I know it, it, a lot of fans are probably fearful about the future and, and the chance to not, you know, possibly not be competitive in the near future. I love being able to play all these different teams and have Iowa play all these different places and go to LA and, the idea of not having to be locked into the same division teams every year. I don't even, like I said, I don't even really like the fact that Iowa has to have three locked in rivals every year. I think that's pinning you down when you already pinned yourself down with Iowa state, but Iowa wants the tradition and I get it. The trophies are important. So I love it. And it's going to be weird. Is it going to help, help Iowa be more competitive? No, but uh, Hey, it's going to put an well, onus on it. the next head coaches well, to, to bring it. One more thing before I get off. Think about the U, the LA to uh, Piscataway fight. That's gonna be a long fight for them, but yes, it will. Unfortunately, but all right. Enjoy your night, and uh, I know I got a little annoying today. And sorry to the people in there, but that's You're how good, I am sometimes. So, all right, goodbye. You're good, man. Thanks, James. Appreciate that. All right, uh, let's go to our next caller. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Hey Kyle, how's it going? Uh, been fine. You know, busy day at work, but a little sh- stunning to see how our future of the conference going because I feel like I don't hardly even recognize it anymore. Yeah, well, this is where we're at. This is <laughs> uh, 
the changing landscape is uh it's fully changed oh sorry if i did i lose you for a sec nope i got you all right anyway well back well since this is the last year of the divisions i say it's probably going to be our last chance to probably make the big 10 championship it's for the foreseeable future I, I think that's a fair assessment sure and but you know that this this spring i see already people in the chat bringing it up but it, it makes you question the future of the staff how long does kirk stick around and, and we've been talking about that for months but it's a fair conversation to have i know but i think i heard some of the comments on social media like they're saying this could be his last ride and with all this going on probably step down at the end of the season and let somebody else take over when i heard i said my friend that says bobby stoops but i I know Bobby Stoops played Iowa, played Iowa, loyal Hawkeye fan, but I kind of do want somebody young. Now, like, he's kind of around, around young six, early 60s, but maybe let somebody new, like, young guy take over and see how he does. How about Brett Bielema? Brett, um, I think that's a coin flip between, I don't know if my dad would even like it because I don't think he's a Bielema guy. How about, hmm. Let's see. Maybe LeVar Woods? Hey, I know a young... Hey, you know what? LeVar Woods is an option. What about a young guy who's currently the offensive coordinator at Iowa? I know at least one person who makes a lot of money in this state who I think would love for that young man to be the next head coach at Iowa. So you're saying Brian to be the next coach? Was that his name? (laughs) I'm guessing you don't agree with that. I've been... The Ferences has been around since I was born, and I think it's time for me to move on and let somebody else. And I think the Ferences has done a great job, but I'm just ready for somebody now. Yeah, uh, you, no there's fan. a lot of people who feel the way you feel, and uh, Kyle, you're 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 not alone in. I'm not. You, you're. I don't. You calling in and immediately saying, oh, "I think this is the last year." That's not. You're not just being negative, Nancy. That that's when you look at a schedule like this. I mean, Iowa could be, uh, I mean, you look at it like a 2015 Iowa that went 12-0. and I know this is just conjecture, but like you put that roster that went 12-0 and against that 15 schedule against the schedule that we looked at for 2024, I think you're fortunate to win nine or ten games. I really do. And that's... Yeah, I think that roster can hang out with any good. Our 2015 roster can hang out with anybody. I mean, I got a two, that perfection poster hanging in my room right now, and just I know that was really I know that kind of schedule was kind of weak back then, but it was just surprising to see something truly amazing that year. Yeah, they they utilized yeah. the schedule they had, and that's why I know this sounds short sighted, but with the personnel changes they've had and and um the the last year of the divisions, I hope this is a for all the people that were slow to fully embrace that mindset, I hope people have fully embraced it today. Like now that it's official and we and we know what the what the conference is going to look like, we know what the schedules are looking like. I hope people realize, oh, maybe it maybe that is true. Maybe we should really put a lot of emphasis on this season. Maybe we should go pedal the metal and and oh, there's a term I don't want to use on on here that probably wouldn't be real friendly to the people out there. But yeah, I mean, like the, to me, you you got to go uh, you got to go all in because things are going to change massively in 2024. 
Oh yeah, I mean, I'll still, I mean, I'm still gonna support the team no matter what. And when I saw like the the away games for 2024, like five of them, like got to go to Ohio State and the USC. I felt like, how about Ohio State come to our place? Like two years, like a couple of years, we went. They came to our place in 2017. You know how that game went, and we went to theirs in 20 last season. You know how that went. It's like you should come to our place, like. I don't know. I don't know if this if that makes any sense. You like last year you play a oh you went to their place for a road game and now you're gonna have them on your schedule. You should come play of our place. You, you hear what I'm saying? Well, again, you get what I'm I, saying. I, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but again, this is all about balance. And I mean, I think what you're gonna see more often than not because Iowa's three protected games are not against the likes of an Ohio State, a Michigan, or a USC, you're going to see those other teams sprinkled in on the road quite a bit because there are some advantages that Iowa holds. I think there's some perceived advantages that Iowa holds by being able to protect three teams that are, I mean, two, one of which Wisconsin is a uh, upper-tier team, not a top-tier program, uh, Minnesota, that's traditionally been a middling program over the course of the last 10 to 15 years, and Nebraska, which has been a bottom feeder. Yeah, you're, you're going to get Ohio State on the road. You're going to get Michigan Michigan State on the road. But again, one thing we should keep in mind, this is the start of a new era, Kyle. So as the Big Ten Network continue to repeat, you're going. this is going to be rotational. So the way I understand this is, yes, Iowa gets Ohio State on the road in 2024, which you could say is unfortunate since they just got them on the road in 2022. I don't believe the conference was looking at, at those past schedules and saying, well, we need to make sure this lines up. What they will do, what they will do now is they'll be looking at 26 and 27, and they will likely not have to play Ohio. My way I understand it, they will not have to play Ohio State on the road in either of those years. They would play Ohio State back at home. It's likely they'll play them back at home. I think it's given they'll play them back at home in one of those two years because every team has to play this uh every team in the conference on the road and at home at least once every four years, if that makes sense. Maybe, maybe not for me. I just, I don't know. I just got to go with the flow and see what the conference does. Got to go with and, the flow, uh, man. And real, and real quick about the, you said something about, you don't mind dropping Iowa State from, from like, you didn't know the, from your schedule. Mm-hmm. How come? Well, I, I kind of said it earlier. I just, I'm to the point where uh, I'd like a little bit of uh, flexibility, more flexibility with the schedule. I'd like to see other teams on the schedule. And like I said, if you have three protected rivalries in the conference every year, why do we need a fourth outside of the conference? I don't want a third of my schedule to be obvious every single year. I guess that's what I'd say. I guess you're right. Maybe three rivalry games per year is enough. I'd be okay. I don't mind dropping. I mean, I don't really don't mind dropping Iowa State, but it's kind of like the Super Bowl of our state. I mean, I got a mini Seahawks trophy in my room here, and I'm pretty proud of it. And, but I would kind of like you said, like playing some different teams instead of Iowa State. Like, I remember you said Notre Dame. I, I would love to see Iowa play Notre Dame this year. I mean, not this year, but maybe sometime in the future, hopefully. Yeah, I agree. I appreciate you calling in, yeah. Kyle, and uh, please don't be a stranger to the show. Uh, I won't, and thanks for having me on. Go thanks, Hawks. Kyle. Go Hawks.
Appreciate that call from Kyle. We've got a caller on our call line. We're going to put him on hold. <laughs> I see Doug smiling. <laughs> Doug, welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah. Marcus, Marcus says here, Corey, do you have a side job? This is my side side job, Marcus. <laughs> anyway, no, I talked to you your real job. <laughs> Go ahead, Doug. What, what do you What do you have for? Oh, what your I'm like the only positive person here, or something. I love this. This is awesome um, because if it's expanding to 12 teams. If you have one loss, it won't matter. Okay. You know, I don't know how the tiebreakers will go. A one eleven and one Iowa team, even if they don't play in the Big Ten championship, will play be one of the twelve teams in the play. That's the key, Doug. So let's keep this in mind. For those of us that are whining and crying, oh, never gonna win a Big Ten title again. We haven't won a Big Ten title since 04. Yep. <laughs> okay. Haven't won a Big Ten title since 04. So frankly, who cares? Yeah. Uh, second thing is, I know that's gonna rub people the wrong way. Who cares? Second thing is they have a much better chance of making the playoff. Yes. And this is how I feel. Maybe it's because I was, like I said, a, a kid. I think what I, the term I used to Mark Rogers is my mom was still holding my hand on the way to school when they won 2004, I mean, 2002, regardless. <laughs> college. So, <laughs> my point is, Doug, is that I would almost rather see Iowa make a playoff than win yeah. a big title. Not because I don't think a Big Ten title is special. It is. But the reality is it's going to be incredibly difficult. And I hope Kirk and this staff, and who knows how long Kirk and the staff are going to be part of this program, but I hope the staff moving forward places a bigger emphasis on what do we need to do to make a playoff. Not that we yeah. don't want a title, but let's be realistic here. The playoff, we have an opportunity to win a national championship, whether you think that's likely or not once you get to the playoff. If you can get in the top 12, you have a chance. Yeah. Um why do people think we have a worse shot than some other team? I actually think this hurts Ohio State and Michigan more because they have to play each other. So one of them will have a loss no matter what. So, like, you know, that hurts them because if they're the top two teams in the conference, and a lot of people believe so, and traditionally they are, and they have to play each other, where we have to play Wisconsin, Minnesota, and, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Like, it's the same boat for everyone. It might even be harder for Ohio State to go undefeated or Michigan because they have to play each other. I think what people don't understand, unless you really look at the schedule, what they don't understand is when they hear protected rivalries, they mm -hmm. automatically think that means a lack of balance. And that's not what it means because the Big Ten now, with this flex model, can schedule around those protected rivalries yeah. and make sure everything else is balanced. So it's likely, my guess is it's likely to say that, or it's fair to say that you won't see a lot of years where Ohio State, they're going to play Michigan every year. Yep. They're not going to also play USC, Penn State, uh, Wisconsin on the road, like every year, right? I mean, you're yes. going to have balance because of those, based on what your protected games are. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, and I hope, they, I hope our fan base understands that. It's not unfair. Everyone has the same boat. You know, everyone plays nine games. Everyone has, you know, um, we're, even if we played the nine worst teams in the conference, we still have to play the best team in the championship game. So it really doesn't matter, you know. Um, one of my questions, though, because uh, a lot of people are talking about Cyhawks, and I wanted to uh, talk about this because I live in Story County uh, and uh, my feelings. Uh, one, one question for you, Corey. Who do you think Iowa's biggest rival in football was before November 22nd, 1963. And do you know what happened November 22nd, 1963? Uh, 
JFK assassination. Okay. So thank you for that. So I don't know how far back the off the. I mean, I, I would assume it's Minnesota. Three of our biggest. I watched the uh, Now Kinnick documentary. We played Nord. We never played Iowa State from thirty three to sixty four. Easily, Notre Dame was our biggest rival. I mean, you just watched the Nile Kinnick documentary, and we haven't played them forever. And so my point is, I really want to care. We didn't miss Iowa State in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Um, first 15 years of my life, we beat Iowa State every year in football. I had that going through elementary school, which was pretty pretty freaking awesome. And then, then in 1999, they had to go over there with uh, Troy Davis's little brother and beat us, which wasn't cool. But um, yeah, like we were, we we took the pit game and the Syracuse game out when we went to nine um, or whoever else you want to put. We pit Syracuse, Pitt, uh, there's some others like Arizona, but, Arizona, yeah, Arizona, Arizona State, the forty four seven game. We took that out for a ninth conference game. I I really don't. I didn't mind that, and I wouldn't mind losing to Iowa State either. Like that wouldn't. By the way. The one criticism I would – well, not one criticism to Gary Barta. The one of the many criticisms that I would have of Gary Barta during his tenure is not going after a bigger name during the course of and, – and I know it's not just about Gary Barta. A lot of it's Kirk Ferentz and, and other powers of be, but not going after a bigger name opponent for that second non-conference game when you had an opportunity. Again, yeah. fans don't realize they're, you don't, they're, they're not going to schedule – two power five teams for three non-conference games. They're not going to do it. Yeah. So as long as you are locked in Iowa state, that's eliminated. So I just, I wish that we hadn't gotten the pits and the Syracuse of the, of the, of the world. I was hoping that we could get a, a LSU, Notre Dame, it's a Texas, yeah. et cetera, but that didn't happen. Yeah. I, I would, I would, if our 10th uh, game would be Notre Dame, I would, and again, I, I just want it every two years, do a home and home with somebody and eventually work Iowa state back into it, but do a couple home and homes with somebody. And I know somebody told me Notre Dame reached out and they said, no, we already have Iowa State. And um, they won't play less than seven home games, right? So, you know, yep, there's exactly. and, and they won't play less than seven home games with the, you know, the no matter what, even if they were neutral or whatever. So, well, you know, a lot of it, you, you know, even though Gary Bard is on his way out, you have to think not to place all the blame on him if you're upset about the schedule format and, and the three protected rivalries and the Cyhawk. Uh, the Cyhawk situation, he's been a part of this. So he's that, that's his mark that he that's one of his many marks he's going to leave on the program is the infatuation with uh, is making these rivalries stick. And I understand a lot of people like them and a lot of people think it's part of the tradition of the program. I get it. And I'm a younger fan. So maybe I just don't appreciate it like some of the older guys out there do. But I agree with you. I'd like to see more variation and we're just not going to get that with the current format. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, as people talk about Iowa State, that they think it's our Super Bowl, but I would, as an Iowa fan, much rather be playing for a lot of other things. The playoffs, uh, the, uh, yeah, as I sound like the Indianapolis Colt character, playoffs. <laughs> How do you get used to that with the college football? <laughs> but um, with the playoffs and with like a Big Ten championship and all those things, like there's other things that are bigger. Like I'd rather have, um, like a big Ten title, the five victories against Iowa State, you know. I mean, all those years that McCarney was beating us, I was like, well, good for you. You're 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 beating a five and seven team and basically getting a promotion for it and getting an extended contract. I never understood that with McCarney. He played for one game, beat him, and 
You can look at his last couple. Of, well, he had two. Oh, anyway. Well, Doug, yeah. here's the thing. A couple things. So it's poss- it will be possible to get into the playoff with two losses. Very possible. Yeah. There will be teams with two losses to get in the playoff. First thing. Yeah. Second thing is the conference is getting stronger. Iowa will no longer be perceived like they were in 2015, like they were in, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, even 2021. Um, if they win 10 games or more, mm-hmm. likely yeah. be rewarded for it because they will have earned it. My, my question is, in 2015, was there a single top 25 victory? They, they beat Northwestern when Northwestern was a top 25 was, team. Yeah, Northwestern went 10 to that year too, didn't they? Something like that. Um, it was a good Northwestern team, wasn't it? Uh, that's a good – that was a good North. They were ranked at the time. They yeah. were ranked at the time, and Iowa beat them forty to ten. Yeah, Akron Wadley. Akron Wadley game. You're, by the way, you know, real quick, quick basketball illustration for the people that maybe don't agree with the whole uh, my stance on the on the Big Ten title and going to the playoff. For you basketball fans out there, would you at this point at this point would you rather win a regular season Big Ten title or make a Sweet Sixteen? I think 90% of fans would say I'd rather make a Sweet 16. Yeah. So that's just the reality of it. If you're concerned with the Big Ten race, then yeah, mm-hmm. this hurts Iowa in a big, big way, and we knew it was going to hurt Iowa. Mm-hmm. But the expanded playoffs and the, and the conference getting stronger, in a way, helps Iowa make the yeah, chance of making the national playoffs. Again, I don't want to monopolize your time, but I don't think that that uh, this fan base needs to be all that negative. Um, we're in the same boat as everyone else. Just win, and things work out. Um, we're as good as Minnesota, Nebraska, and Wisconsin. So, you know, like what 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 are their fan base is saying right now? I, I mean, if they're if they're negative, maybe we should be. But we're competitive. We're as good. The only teams that really traditionally are better than us is Ohio State and Michigan. Everyone else, we we can put ourselves and say, hey, we're equals pretty much in football, I think, you know. I agree. I mean, I don't, all right, thank you. Thank you, Doug. All right, folks, we got Brian in the queue. We've got Erica in the queue, and we've got a caller on our phone line. We're going to take a very quick break. Appreciate the positivity here from Barbara. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. You're watching Hawkeye Hangout. Straight from the man cave, Kinnick under the kitchen. Authentic, original player art prints are being drawn up for Hawkeye fans everywhere. From under the kitchen's Murray legacy print, which features former Hawkeye Kenyon Murray, current Hawkeye Chris Murray, and current Sacramento King Keegan Murray, to football players Lucas Van Ness, Tori Taylor, and Cooper DeGene, to wrestlers Tony Cassiope, Alex Marinelli, and Real Woods. Oh, and only one of the greatest athletes to ever compete at Iowa, Spencer Lee. There are so many options available, and they make great gifts. Visit Under the Kitchen on Facebook or at Under the Kitchen's new website. It's underthekitchen.square.site. That's underthekitchen.square.site. Check out Under the Kitchen today and get your authentic, original Hawkeye print. So we appreciate Under the Kitchen also being a part of sponsorship here for this show. Hawkeye Hangout here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Let's go to Brian, who's been waiting patiently. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, Corey. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for calling in. Hey, so, you know, the, here, here's the here's the holdup that I that I have. And I've had this conversation many a times. Um, I am a, I'm in full agreement with everybody that, the goal is a Big Ten title. The goal is a college football playoff, and all this bodes well for us. I think that we kind of do need to take a look in the mirror as a fan base 
And I don't think we fully recognize ourselves as being, as having the identity of just a giant killer, right? I think for the past 10 years, I think Iowa's storylines have rested on the big wins that we'll get, you know, once or twice a season against big top, you know, top eight teams. Um, and then we have, we build up our hope. We make a run or we're in the conversations for making a run for the big 10 West. And then we come to it and we're like, well, yes, yeah, so we don't, we don't, we kind of, we didn't need to be here in the first place. Right. So I think sure. I, that's to say, right. I think that the identity of not only Iowa, but I think the identity of college football is starting to shift. Right. And so I think, I think there's definitely a, a an opportunity for, the Hawkeyes to make the jump to that next echelon of competition. Um, and I think that obviously the, maybe, you know, the first part of that is to start to recognize NIL as being, um, I know that, I know that there was some, you, you probably know this better, but um, the recognition of having donors paying into the NIL fund, right. Does that, that that's something I think is coming potentially coming down the pipe. Um, but I just think that I think we, we're, we're jumping ahead of ourselves and, you know, starting to create an identity for ourselves that we really haven't fully baked out yet. That's fair. And I have applauded Kirk Ferentz because over the past year, he's embraced NIL and the collective a lot more than I ever thought he would. And I do believe that part of the evolution of this program and the ability to adapt and compete at a higher level should be uh, bettered by the fact that uh, you're going to get a change uh, at AD. I think a lot of the communication issues, I think it's clear, a lot of the communication problems between the collective, which, as you brought up, uh, Brian, is a big part of recruiting now and building your program, building your personnel base. A big part of that communication issue, unfortunately, was the AD, which is almost shameful to even say, but that's the reality of it. So you hope, I, I do think that hire is almost as important as the next head coaching hire. Because whoever the AD is has to be willing to embrace and work alongside Brad Heinrichs or whoever is leading Iowa's main NIL initiative. That's that's a fair point. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, going back to your initial comment about the bit, maybe I heard you wrong. This does not help Iowa uh, in, in their chances of winning a conference title. I don't know if you said that. Maybe I mis misunderstood you. But this. This hurts them mightily in that in that respect, but as uh, I do agree with you that it helps them on the national scale because of the strength of the conference and the strength of the schedule. Yeah, and I, I think even I think just as an identity, you know, something that we have hung our hats on for a long time, that a lot of fan bases would be more than happy with is having the opportunity to beat to sell out your stadium, sell out seventy thousand seats and beat Ohio state at home or beat Michigan at home. These are opportunities that we as a fan base, I think take for granted often uh, and generate a lot of national attention for us. Right. So I think that we've been in this limbo period for some time where we have created this identity as a team that can compete at that level, not as much on the road as we can at home. Um, but right. I think that there are opportunities for us to, to make the jump. And I think that the stage is set for us to do that. Um, so I think that, you know, we talk about, we talk about the rivalries that we have in place. We talk about, you know, the, the movements of college football at a, at a, at a larger level. But I think that sometimes I think we, we, we can take that at more of a macro level. And sometimes we need to identify that the more, uh, more of the things that we can, we can hang our hats on as, as fans and, and 
start to realize this, there's a slow burn that's happening and it might be taking a bit longer than others. But when you, th- when you look at the greater landscape of college football, there's not a lot of teams that are on this slow upward trend, right? You look at just like, if you look at the big 10, Nebraska, Wisconsin, um, you know, Michigan state teams that have been strategic teams that have been historically at the top, right. You think of as, as quote unquote blue chip programs, they have not made any incremental movements up. Iowa has consistently kind of either maintained at the, at the top team in the big 10 West or even got re- reached the crest of it. Right. So I don't think that we're in a bad spot. I don't think that this necessarily sets us back. I think that we, um, I think that we can kind of, I think we can continue to build off of that. And the re- the reasons that I, I have, I have optimism are because we've sustained some sort of, you know, general upward progression in the time that we've been here. So well, Brian, to be devil's advocate real quick, not, not saying you're wrong, but let's, let's not forget. I was only won two West titles since the formation of the division, uh, which is equal to what Northwestern has won is less than what Wisconsin has won. Um, they went seven and five last year, as you well know, and the offense has not, has yet to prove itself. Um, even though I know there's a, the hype train is moving at a, at a fast rate due to some of the personnel adjustments, but I would challenge you a little bit on the notion that I was consistently been right there at the top of the West. They, they've been yeah. division basically every year, but yes. And that's kind of that. That's what I mean. I'm not, I, I, I didn't, I, I, I didn't, I didn't mean to say that we've been at the top necessarily, but you look at the fluctuations that have existed within or just the just the general horribleness that's existed in the Big 10 West right like we we haven't we haven't reached the peak yet but i don't think that there have been we haven't gone through the dips and valleys that i feel like a lot of the, some of these teams have where you, you mentioned northwestern they they have been at the top and they have been at the absolute bottom within the 6 years that um within this past six years, or even, you know, if you, if you look at 2015, and if you want to take that as the kind of starting point when we had our undefeated season, um, you know, if, if you take that as the, the standard, right. We, we haven't, we haven't, we, we've had only all the winning seasons. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think that, yeah. Brian, I was going to ask you real quick. Somebody in the chat wanted to know if you're a Petrus lover. I don't know why, but no, uh, God, no, God, no, <laughs> God, no, I do. I, I can't help. I can't. I mean, yeah, I have I have a lot of I have a lot of things to say about Spencer Peters, but and I actually got to meet him one time and he was really nice. So I feel bad. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. But um and then the second thing I, I wanted to bring up as well, um, and this is super this is a super quick point. Um I would like to hedge my bet that that uh, Nebraska remains at the top and I would like to keep that as a as a rivalry ahead of Minnesota. I think that they have uh, they have the fan base. Uh, Minnesota does not, right? If uh, if we look, the fact that they, the fact that Minnesota doesn't always sell out the rivalry games is a bit of a concern of mine, as a fan. Um, when we talk about supremacy in the college football landscape, if you are playing for a rivalry game, I think I think the your if you if you're at if you're at the opponent's stadium, then they should have the stadium sold out. So I would hedge my bet towards Nebraska over. Minnesota, if we were to keep Iowa State, but that's so you're okay, basically abandoning the tradition and the history of Iowa, Minnesota. I would be to preserve that of Iowa, Nebraska. Okay, 
Uh, I respect your take. And like I said, you're you're I can tell you're a younger guy. I don't know how old you are. I'm not going to guess. But uh, my point is, I, I think there is a, a divide among generations where maybe the older older fans would probably say the opposite of what you just said, because I, there is a claim to be made that Iowa Nebraska was somewhat manufactured, but it is a border rivalry, as is Minnesota, as is Wisconsin. Um, could you have made the claim that Iowa, Illinois should be more of a rivalry, especially with Brett Bielema being the coach there? Yeah, but you can only have so many yeah. rivalries. And, and as I said earlier, I'm I'm an advocate for less built-in rivalries. And is it also fair to say you can have a rivalry that doesn't have to be played every year? Like, I think Iowa-Penn State has been a rivalry, and they don't play every yeah. year. Yep. Because it's I, a competitive rivalry, even though they didn't play in the same division. Yep. I, yeah, I think that's it. Polish rivalries, but to, to say you got to play them every single year, you're just you're just uh, you're pinning down what you can do flexibility wise with your schedule. That's a great point. All right, Brian, thank you for the call, and we'll look forward to talking to you again. Thank you very much, Corey. Take care. Thanks, sir. All right. Um, let's see, looks like Erica wants to wait. We've got somebody on the phone line. Let's get to our next caller. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Hey, what's up, Corey? How are you? It's Alan from North Carolina. Great content as usual. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, Alan. Good to hear from you, sir. Uh, one off-topic comment and then three comments about uh, the schedule. First of all, being here in Charlotte, I'm extremely excited to know that Caitlin Clark is coming here in November to play Virginia Tech. So when that came yeah, out yesterday, that? it was just, what? How about that? That is unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow, she's coming to Charlotte. Uh, it shocked me. And there actually is a decent Iowa fan base here, which is shocking, but there is. There's an Iowa bar here in Charlotte. So we're going to get a group of guys to go to the game. So I'm extremely excited to watch her in November here. Awesome. Um, no, that's going to be a great event. And, uh, great, great competitive. Great event. Those two teams, obviously final four teams last year. So that, that'll be fun. Absolutely. So as far as the schedule is concerned, three things came to my mind. First of all, as you said earlier, um, I am very much looking forward to this upcoming season because in my opinion, it's imperative that they win the West. I think they're the most talented team in the West. I looked at their schedule. To me, they're a minimum 10-win team. I think there's two maybe tough games on the schedule. That's at Penn State and at Wisconsin. I think it's important for them to win the West, especially going uh, into what's going to happen in the next couple of years or uh, with USC and UCLA coming in. So I think I'm very much, I'm much more looking forward to this upcoming season than I have in the past, obviously. As you should. And what do you uh, think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, personnel wise, uh, I know people are excited because of the, the McNamara era, but but obviously the the Eric All addition and what they've added at linebacker and offensive line, there's obviously a lot of question marks still. But I mean, we've been saying this, you, you know this, Alan, we've been saying this for how many months now about how this is going to be the last year of yes. Iowa football as we knew it. And today was kind of that reality check, and hopefully it was to the entire fan base. And I don't want... I don't expect Kirk Ferentz and this coaching staff to place more emphasis on this year than any other year, but I hope that they do appreciate what's at stake here because Kirk Ferentz is no fool. He understands uh, what's going to happen, whether he retires at the end of this year or not. He understands the competitive shift and change that we are seeing, and that is only magnified with this schedule change and the division change. Absolutely. My second comment, and this is what I worry about as an Iowa fan with such a loyal fan base. 
let's say it's 2028. You're five years into this. Um, they finish, let's say, between five and eight in the, in the conference. To me, I think there are four teams that are upper, upper echelon teams, and that's Ohio State, Michigan, USC, and Penn State. So let's say they cannot go over the hump and they finish, we'll say, between five and eight in the conference. What I worry about is that this fan base is going to become so frustrated to the point where they're like, oh my God, I don't really want to see my team in a December 26th bowl in Nashville or here in Charlotte. That's what frustrates me. And I think that's going to frustrate the fan base very much so. What do you think? Well, they were just in Nashville last year. (laughs) I understand that, but I... I understand that. But I'm talking about, I think it's going to take a lot of money and the ability to recruit top-end prospects for me to believe that this team could propel themselves above the four teams that I mentioned. I I think they're a good team. Yeah, I I would just say I'm going to wait to hold on. I I am very curious, as I know everyone else is, to see what the future of this coaching staff looks like because, I mean, who like it's a totally different mindset if Kirk Ferentz coaches another four to five years, and so he is in, literally in the midst of this this new era, as opposed to him walking away at the end of this year and them hiring, you know, I don't want to say Bob Stoops, but it's the first name that comes to my mind. Recruiting is where it's at, and yes, NIL is a huge factor. But Iowa's ability to make the playoff, and that means finishing in the top three of the of the conference, I think, gives you a good shot at making the playoff. Yeah. Uh, to do that, you're right. You, you're going to have to go through some powers, and there are at least four. I wouldn't place. I don't know if you said Wisconsin. I would not put Wisconsin. No, I would not. They're number five. I would yeah. say Penn, Penn State, USC, Michigan, and Ohio State. Yeah, Those and then, are the and top then four. I'd put Wisconsin, UCLA, five in, in the same uh, stratosphere. Maybe Iowa in there, and and yep. You know, then you you throw in a Minnesota. A lot of those teams are dealing with coaching changes, and of course, we don't know how those new teams are going to be. Uh, kind of acclimating themselves to the conference. So yeah, lots of storylines, but I think the coaching, the, obviously the coaching hire that Iowa has to uh, deal with after Kirk walks away, whenever that may be, that's going to have as big of uh, probably bigger impact than just solely NIL, but the two work hand in hand. And my final comment, I know you mentioned to me, I think Kirk Ferentz is not long for this job. I, I think he will be gone within the next couple of years. I, I, I don't see him continuing on this path with this gauntlet of a schedule. I I think if he wins the conference this year and they do damage, maybe find a way to win the big 10 title, I can see him retiring. I really could. Well, sure. But my comment, if he wins a big 10 title, I I would urge him to retire because that's called going out on top. He didn't want a big 10 title in 20 years. Absolutely. But my final comment is on the schedule. And I think the one problem Iowa has is, reputation nationally. I know that they're a big time school in the Big Ten, but I think it's important for them. I know they have the Cyhawk game every year. In my opinion, I would rather have them play a game here in the ACC or a game in against the Big 12 just to see how they stack. Maybe one game at a conference. So maybe one year they come to Chapel Hill to play North Carolina or a team like Colorado with Deion Sanders comes to town. I think it's important for them to gain some sort of reputation nationally for, te- for, for, for programs who are outside of the Big Ten. To me, they're just such a uh, Big Ten school. I don't see them as a national program. Even though they finish in the top 25, uh, it's important for them to go out and see how they compete against the other conferences. 
And I think that's important. I'd rather have them play one of those type of games rather than year in and year out playing the Cyhawk game, in my opinion. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel as well. And, uh, you know, the, the Colin Cowherd uh, saga back in 2015 is a perfect, like Iowa was an easy target for yes. uh, kind of the media bully that Colin Cowherd portrayed himself as yep. because of because of how boring the schedule is because of the the stigma surrounding the stereotype with with Iowa State even though Iowa State's had years where they have won 8 9 games it it, it they have a lot of negative reputation to overcome as well and now what they go 3 and 9 8 4 and 8 whatever they were last year that doesn't help the cause so sure. yeah i mean I, the the future for for uh, Campbell and Iowa State is somewhat uncertain Based on what we saw last year, I'm not sold on that whole relationship. I, I I just don't know what to make of Iowa State, and I live here right here in Ames. So I'm with you. I I think it'd be better to be able to have be able to schedule every few. I know these schedules are made years in advance, and non-conference schedules are, but w- you're banking on Iowa State being competitive. I mean, and Matt Campbell had Matt went. Campbell had his opportunity. In my opinion, I think he should have went to the pros when he had a chance. He came off a big year. And the last couple of years have been really dreadful for Iowa State. So I think he had that opportunity. The window of opportunity has closed for him. So in my opinion, he should have left when he had a chance. Yeah. And imagine Deion Sanders in Colorado coming to Kinnick. That place would be electric. There's a lot of matchups night. that I'd like to see. That's one of them. But there's a lot of teams I'd that like would, to see in Kinnick that we just never yeah. will as long as the Seahawks series continues. We just won't. And I think it's time to... Uh, Nix it. It's a great series, don't get me wrong, but it's a change of times. And I think it's important for Iowa to venture out and to face teams around the country rather than just stay within uh, that 100-mile radius, which is part of the which Alan, which is part of the reason why I am okay with USC and UCLA joining the conference. Because it's something different. That makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. But I'll tell you one thing, with Barta gone, I think it's imperative for them to have a much better relationship with Swarm they know that NIL now is imperative yep. for them to take that next step. Absolutely. But thank you very much, Corey. Love your show and love your content all year long. Thank you, Alan. Appreciate the call, sir. All right, uh, Peter Green. What is this craziness? At this rate, maybe I have a shot at writing the schedule. If we let this evolution continue, the dinosaurs are coming back. Whatever that means. Thank you, Peter, for the super chat. And Erica with the super chat as well. Let's get rid of uh, Nebby. It's Nebraska, and Erica's on hold. Erica, welcome to the show. Hello, how's it going? Doing all right. How are you? Good. Um, so, yeah, let's get rid of Nebraska. Tired okay. of dealing with their fan base. Tired of hearing about the national championships from last century. Um, okay. You know, they have not, like you said yourself, they've been a bottom feeder, so I don't know why we keep poisoning ourselves in that way, number one. Number two, I also think we need to get rid of Iowa State for the reasons you've stated already. I just, first I, of all, I don't, I don't live in the state of Iowa, full disclosure. I graduate from the University of Iowa, but I don't live in Iowa. I'm not from Iowa. So we've already proven we're dominant in that series. We've won 66% of the time or something like that. We have nothing to prove. Their little brother, it's over. Just get rid of it so we can play more on a national level and like try to get ourselves out of the hole that we've digged ourselves into nationally with this offense, with the offense narrative that Brian's put us in. And last year is a, is a perfect example. I know it was kind of a weird scenario because Iowa's offense was historically bad. But that loss at home to a crap Iowa State team. Embarrassing. It's not just – I'm not saying you're saying this, Erica, but for the people that say, well, you just, you're just you afraid to lose to Iowa State. Well, 
sure, kind of. It doesn't do Iowa any good more often than not. And I had changed my tune when Campbell had that program in the in the trajectory he had it going. But, boy, I, I have a lot of question marks about that program moving forward. And more often than not, they're not very good. So, and it doesn't help them that supposedly their best quarterback has been involved in the gambling scandal. Well, so, no, that doesn't help. No, you're at right. At all. So anyway, this isn't about Iowa State. I just wanted to get that opinion out there since you were asking about that. And I agree with you. We need to be, if we want to get respect, we need to dig ourselves out of the hole as far as the offense goes. And part of that is getting rid of the Iowa State game so that there's more room on our schedule to put other people, to put other teams. Um, and then also I, I feel like, um, and I felt this before today's announcements came out, um, and before even Gary Barta decided to step down or to retire, I think he's stepping down, but that's a whole nother topic. Um, I feel like we're at a crossroads right now with Iowa football. And I feel like the new big 10, you know, with UCLA and USC, I think that makes it even more of a crossroads. And I think that things could go either really badly or really well. And I think today's like other people have said or insinuated today, both in the chat and your callers. I think that um, Kirk's time might be coming to an end. And I think that, and it, you know how I feel about Kirk. I really, mm-hmm. I, I respect him a lot. The last few years I think has been, have been bad for him and there's no, you know, counter argument to that. It's been just public relations nightmare and it just, it doesn't look good on us. And the offense, you know, yeah, I know that he's not the one coaching the offense. He's not an offensive coordinator, but he's head coach. So eventually it all goes back to him. Um, and I, I said this before on your show, I think he needs to get out before he's dragged out. And I think that the new dynamics of college football, both in the Big Ten and otherwise, with NIL, et cetera, um, I think we're getting close to a point where he'd be, he'll be dragged out. Well, I'll say this. In hindsight, Erica, um, I, I had made this comment before, would not have blamed him for walking away after that 21 season uh, because their offense was crap. They go to the Big Ten Championship game. Yes, they got killed, but they won the West. Okay. He wasn't going to walk away after an eight and five year like they had last year. He just wasn't going to do it. Right. But he is smart. If 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 that's the plan, and I don't know that it is, but if that's the plan, I think Kirk is actually smart not retiring after this past season, but waiting until this season. Because this season, with what he's been able to do, give him credit, give the NIL collective credit, etc. He's got an opportunity to win big this year and, and and profit off of the fact that the division is the division. We get that for one more year. And the fact that you have a proven winner quarterback, you got all the pieces you've added at tight end and at, at uh, offensive line, et cetera. Yeah. So if I'm Kirk, I'm absolutely excited. I'm pumped to win this season. And I hope that is reflected with philosophy and play calling because He's got an opportunity to go out on a very, very high note at the perfect time for him, given the changes that are coming. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I just, I don't know. I feel like after the season, he does need to go. And I feel like we need to, we need to have almost a Coach Fry type of hire who's got the swagger, who's got the, you know, just, just the, such intelligence when it comes to football. I'm not insinuating Kirk does not. That's not my point because he has proven that, yes, he's, you know, a force to be reckoned with. That being said, he has not adapted properly in how the 
the game is played in this era now with NIL portal, you know, transfer portal and just the changes and how the game is played on the ground. Like, you know, in the sense of like the direction offenses are going around the country, he just is not adapting to that. And he's adapted. Well, I'll give him credit. Like you said, for the, the transfer portal and, you know, the NIL that the swarm deserves that credit and Brad deserves that credit. And that's all great stuff. But the fact is, I, I think he's made all the changes he's going to. I don't think he's going to change as far as the main the way he runs his offense or Brian runs it. Because let's face it, obviously, he influences Brian. I, I refuse to. I don't believe like those fans who say, oh, well, you know, if Kirk takes his hands off of it completely, maybe Brian will be good. I don't buy into that. I just don't buy into that. I think that if Brian stays out, needs to be as a TE coach or something like that. And that's it. Like, I, I just I think both of them need to go. And I hate saying it. Much, and it can, you know, it's not mutually exclusive either. I respect Kirk a ton, but that said, his era is ending, and as you said, it is an appropriate time for it to end because book, the era of football as we knew it is ending. So yeah. that's kind of my I, feeling on it. And I, I just, think we need. I think that the new um, the new AD is going to have the work cut out for him or her because they have some very important decisions to make, and if they make the wrong ones, that could really screw up Iowa um, Hawkeye, you know, athletics. Yeah. No, I, I agree with everything you just said. And um, like I said, I'm not guaranteeing anything. Don't be surprised if Kirk does walk away. And a big part of that, too, is what happens with Brian. Uh, if Brian's year goes in the dumps, which I don't anticipate that it will and go in the dumps, per se, that that could also have an impact. But uh, all of this, it's it's not going to be one factor that pushes Kirk out, but it's going to be and he's going to leave in his own terms. But it, it I think these are all. Uh, th- this is a snowballing thing, and and it could it could uh, reach its climax after this season, no question. And I think if you're rooting for that to happen, root for Iowa to win a Big Ten championship because to me that'd be the perfect time to go out. Uh, go out. Yeah, and I just I just I really hope they. And this is gonna sound. I know some fans like hearing this aren't gonna like it, but I want them to play to win. I don't want them to you know play just to win by not losing. Like, I want them to be more dominant because in this era of football, that's what you need to be. And the fact is, we need to up our game if we want to be a playoff contender or any type of contender. It's not just on national level anymore. With the Big Ten being what it's going to be soon, that's not just the national narrative anymore. That's the Big Ten narrative now. So in order for us to get there, that's unfortunately what it's going to take is to the old coaching mentality needs to go. And we need someone with the swagger who has the knowledge of – how to turn this program around so it meets modern standards and so we can be the good team that I know that we're capable or excellent team that I'm capable that I know we're capable of being because I think we're already a good team I think we can be just a fantastic team though if we got it all right yeah oh, I agree with you Erica and uh, I would I appreciate your outlook because you have uh, you've been very outspoken over the past year but uh, I you're not one of those that has become apathetic and you never I don't think you ever really became apathetic you've always been outspoken and although you rub people the wrong way at times that's okay um so yeah I you know interacting. yeah i mean the truth is yeah i've had a few times where i've been like oh come on it's just gonna be another one of these types of games or whatever but no i mean i think that that being said if someone in the chat said that brian farron should be head coach i don't know if they were being sarcastic and lord knows i hope they were because i could talk about that for an hour and tell you how i feel you already right. know but <laughs> I really flip and hope that's not what happens because I think then I will reach apathy because I will not, I, unless there's a miracle and he yeah. does completely change with his father being out of the picture, which I just don't see happening. Yeah. You know, I, that's, Oh my God, that'll be a nightmare. That's the worst possible scenario. 
<laughs> I appreciate your call, Eric. And and as I said to our caller earlier, do not be a stranger. We love your calls. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Thanks, Erica. All right. Belligerent says, uh, new schedule, new player, new coach. I think after this season, we don't win 11 games. Kirk should retire. I think if they do win 11 games, it'd be the time to retire. So I agree with you to a point, but slight. I'd make a slight adjustment to that statement. Tacoon or Tacken with such a tough schedule. Iowa will Iowa rise to the challenge, become a better program for it. A lot of that hinges on who the head coach is, right? And Lacey, I love this comment from Lacey. Valid point. As a fan, Iowa State is too fun to ditch. It's a fun rivalry built over the years. Unlike Nebraska, from a scheduling flexibility point of view, I get it, but I'd be sad to see it go. And I agree, Lacey. I think it's a fun rivalry. I live in Ames. I'm kind of part of that, head first in that. But I agree with that. I want to make sure uh, we give a shout out to uh, all of our sponsors, including. Let me pull this up here so that we can make sure we give our proper due to our proper people. Lance Shuttler and Ascent Nutrition, if you're just now hearing about their awesome products, certainly visit GoAscentNutrition.com. They've got their new Lion's Mane Mushroom. You'll see it here on the right. Uh, Their Lion's Mane Mushroom, which has been shown to support brain health, memory, healthy stress response, overall immune system health. You can actually put it into yogurts, juices, smoothies, etc. It's easy to consume, and they can also be used for your pets. Use the code HAWKEYES on any products at GoAscentNutrition.com, including their Lion's Mane Mushroom or their Agaricon Mushroom, and read more about each of those products at GoAscentNutrition.com. Here's the homepage. Again, just scroll down, find the many products they offer, including their awesome coffee, which I drink regularly. Again, we appreciate Ascent Nutrition and Lance Shuttler, Iowa graduate Lance Shuttler, for being part of the show as always. All right, folks, it's been a fun hour and a half. Iowa has their 24 and 25 schedules in place. As Barbara reminds everybody to do, please hit the like button on your way out. You can donate in the description below. Until next time, I'm Corey Bratta from the Hawkeye of the Storm, folks. Have a great night.